Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch. Fastball pulled. And Alvarez in toward the corner. Get it, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Today is such a special show that even Chris Towers wanted to be on it. We are so pleased to have Chris join me and Scott here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Scott, are you okay with it? I mean, you've been there every week. It, you know, you have to approve Chris's appearances. What you have to... Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Michael. Kane. I was trying to break out Michael Kane. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good enough to just whip it out with no preparation. So <laughs> please, please don't. I, I was trying yeah, to yeah. have Michael Kane <laughs> join us. Yeah, well, and make it extra good. But no, I'm not. No sir. Okay, no sir. Hey, Chris. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Can't. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be long time, first time. Favorite and least favorite mid and late round picks. From our recent mock draft, Scott and I talked about getting it started last week. You know, the first four picks for all 12 teams and how we constructed the teams. Uh, now we're going to look at the mid and late round picks and some of our favorites and some of our least favorites. First, let's do some news and notes. Also, if we have time, we will get to Scott's first base rankings. But I did promise you all some emails that I did not read last week that I will read today. Uh, so Lance McCullers could need elbow surgery. And that could cause him to miss the entire 2019 season. Scott White react. Yeah, it's not a big surprise. We were talking about this, I think, a week ago, uh-huh. maybe even two weeks ago. Uh, it, the, I, I think the most interesting part is just how, uh, how the Astros kept this under wraps and how they kept the Jose Altuve knee injury under wraps. Like they are becoming super secretive with their injuries in a way we don't normally see in baseball and it's frustrating i hope i hope they are taken to task over it because it makes our job a lot harder when they do that how about the awards the awards watch the one that i have they still not given those out nope they had named finalists for it's all of like them yesterday. It's like nearly December. Christmas. They give them out on Christmas. <laughs> <You're> ridiculous. <laughs> it, it usually happens in November. No, it's a, it's it's a Christmas present for, for baseball fans. No, it is crazy. Like, it should have happened bef- during the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Well, no, because you don't want to take attention away from the oh, games. Oh, nobody stuff. cares about that. Nobody cares about the games. I mean, No, very, people care about the games. They nobody don't care cares about, the, about awards. the awards at this point. Yeah, they don't care about the awards enough. Oh. My my Twitter timeline would indicate otherwise. People well, care about who's third for the awards, not just who wins. All right. Well, then then release it the day like three days after the World Series when Alex Cora is getting beer thrown at him. We should get. I can't even remember who won the World Series. That's how long ago it was. It was the Astros. <laughs> um, the one, the race, the election day, the race that I'm really interested in, guys is American League Manager of the Year. I am going, I am following the money and going with Kevin Cash. I hope he wins Manager of the Year. Why? Uh, he just let a spreadsheet manage for him. <laughs> I mean, if, if I don't <laughs> feel like traditionally the award rewards innovation, but uh, I mean, and I don't even know that I've, Still really that on board with the whole opener strategy, uh, but it certainly got its share of copycats. And I'm, by a more traditional metric, if you could call it that, the Rays won more games than anybody thought they were going to. So yeah. I think cash would make and a lot of sense. That's usually how it goes, right? It's yeah. just whichever team wins more games than we thought they would. Yeah, but Alex Cora, I mean, if you were ca- counting the postseason where he was just a wizard, I, I have, a, I have, I'm, my feeling is Alex Cora is probably going to win anyway. Yeah, but. I think so. But Cash, they won 90 games. They won 90 games in the American League East, contending with two 100 win teams. Um, and just at, 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 in a season when you know, going back to March, they were kind of the laughing stock of baseball. Them and the Marlins, it, they were kind of lumped together as, you know, they're they're just penny pinchers and not trying to win. Right. Yeah, it's impressive stuff. Any race, uh, I think Otani's gonna win, but that's, 
Uh, both Rookie of the Year races are pretty intriguing. I think Acuna is going to run away with it. It's a good race, the though. Only, the only award who I'm not totally confident I know who's winning it is A.L. Cy Young. Yeah, I uh, think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Blake Snell. I, I, I don't think it'd be wrong if it was Justin Verlander instead. I don't uh, think Kluber's has much of a chance, really, but well, he's the... He's the other finalist. I don't. I don't know who's going to win NL Manager of the Year. I think it's Nicker. Okay. Well, now I, I know. don't care. Yeah, I, I don't either. Like <laughs> Manager of the Year, I just I just don't care. So there's been some talk. Let's move on. There's been some talk about a Gary Sanchez, not like real talk, but like a hey, what if they did this talk? Gary Sanchez for JT Realmuto swap. Chris, as a Marlins fan. Who would you rather them have, JT Realmuto or Gary Sanchez? Gary Sanchez is like four years younger, right? Two years younger. Okay, yeah, I'd rather have Gary Sanchez. Scott, who would you rather have, Gary Sanchez or JT Realmuto? I would rather have. I, I think I'd rather have Sanchez too. Now, if it if it becomes apparent he just can't catch anymore, then that obviously changes the equation. The Yankees are talking a big game about you know, declaring him their starting catcher for next year already. And obviously, as embarrassing as it was for him at times at the end of last season, there was that story about how it may have really been Severino's fault that the signs were getting crossed. Um, and so maybe... Well, every day? Every single Well, every pitcher? time he caught Severino. <laughs> well, he was not the only one he pitched, he struggled with. Also, it's, he's not the only catcher struggling, as we've seen, but he is really brutal. I mean, they, they keep I don't, I don't remember down. this being a big issue before this year. Uh, Joel Sherman wrote a pretty interesting column about just the trend of, of catchers having trouble because it was really magnified with Yasmani Grandal. Uh, pitchers are throwing harder. Right, that, spinning out sense. of control. They're trying, they're really putting a big emphasis on pitch framing. And that I think, I think he was saying is limiting their ability to block balls because, you know, the way they're set up. Um, there were there are a lot of factors involved as why they why the defense seems to have suffered at catcher. Sorry to cut you off, Chris. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, uh, but what I really want to talk about is this. This is gonna be. I don't know if I'm gonna be in the minority, or the majority. I don't know where people are gonna stand, but I am so 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 team Gary Sanchez over JT Realmuto in fantasy. In fantasy, like oh for sure. Well, not for Scott. Scott's got Realmuto first. I got Realmuto first. I, I think the consensus is going to be Realmuto. But y'all uh, crazy. I, I don't think there's much doubt Sanchez has a higher ceiling. And that's the thing is that like the best case scenario for JT Ramuto is he's like what a borderline top 80 overall player, probably like whatever he was last year. Gary Sanchez is the only catcher who I think has without taking position into account, you know, top 40 upside. Yeah, I'll try to, it'll take me some time, but I'll try to count and see where Realmuto finished among hitters. Unless I already did that. I did. I mean, part of it is because Gary Sanchez was kind of a national laughing stock. I thought, uh, I, I anticipated heading into the 2019, it was going to be like, make the case for drafting Gary Sanchez high still. You know, make the case for drafting Gary Sanchez as a top five catcher still. And clearly it's not. Um, but Real Muto was a distant first this year and obviously doesn't, hasn't dealt with injuries the way Sanchez has the past couple years. Uh, I'm not really worried about Sanchez hitting under 200 again. That looks like a total BABIP thing. Uh, but you know, that, that's what happened to him this year. He hit under 200. Obviously don't have to worry about that with Real Muto. So I, I think it's, it's, it's just a, like it's clearly those two at the top, and Real Muto seems much safer. So just for comparison's sake, uh, Real Muto finished as the 101st overall player, including pitchers, uh, in CBS Sports Roto leagues. Gary Sanchez, obviously not even close, but in 2016 or 2017, excuse me, Gary Sanchez was number 56, mm. and that just Gary Sanchez is the only catcher I would reach for. You know if. If uh, Real Muto falls to me in like the sixth round, I could see myself taking him, but I just don't think he puts you far enough ahead 
of the position anywhere. And if that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. I think you could make the case that over the last three years since Gary Sanchez debuted, that Real Muto is a better overall hitter than Gary Sanchez, and I'll tell you why. His road OPS the last three years has been 893, 897, and 870. What killed him in 2016 and 17, he had a 643 and 633 home OPS. And in 2018, it was 773, which is why he was able to become the number one catcher in fantasy. If Real Muto gets traded, then... Then he might be better than Gary Sanchez because he's gonna hit three. He's gonna well, he's not gonna hit three hundred. He's gonna hit two, you know his BABIP's gonna be over three hundred. He's gonna hit like two seventy, two seventy eight, um, two years in a row. It's it well, it it seems like a virtual lock. He's going to get traded to his agent has basically said he's not going to be a Marlin next year. Now, well that that does his make things agent interesting. Can't make anything happen, but if it's if he, you know, if he wants out that badly, you, you got to feel like. Uh, they're going to accommodate him. Yeah, because we we have not seen JT Realmuto's ceiling because he's been hampered by Marlins Park. He could have a Yelich type bump, and in that case, I won't be quite as adamant, but I'd still probably take Sanchez over Realmuto. Um, Seattle could be sellers. Uh, Miguel Cabrera on track to return for spring training, and the Mets fired their hitting coach. Let's talk about some of our favorite mid and late round picks. Let's be positive, Polly's over here. Our favorite mid and late round picks. <laughs> Um, well, I'll just say that my favorite pick, one, my, one of my favorite mid-round picks, if this is considered mid-round, was Gary Sanchez in round six, 66th overall, eight picks after JT Realmuto, and there's no need for me to expand on that, but they, <laughs> they went 58th and 66th overall, Realmuto one and Sanchez two. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know that that's a mid-round pick, but, and I, and I also want to, um, further define this this was one of the shallower formats we do is 12 teams but it was 21 man rosters so you know a late round pick and this might be a middle round pick in like a 15 team roto league you know that a lot of people play in so just just putting that out there okay yeah i didn't <laughs> all three of my least favorites are in rounds five and six so i didn't really go that deep my bad but hopefully you guys did chris Give me some of your favorite, give me one of your favorite mid or late round picks. I'll start off by being self-congratulatory and saying that I got Corey Seager in the seventh round with the sixth pick and that just feels like stealing. Um, you know, he's coming back from the elbow injury, but it shouldn't really hamper him as a hitter. He got past it and this was a guy who going into last season we were looking at as a second or third round pick. So, that just seems to me like the injury risk is well priced in, probably too much. I actually took him as my number two uh, shortstop. I had Xander Bogarts already, but by the time it got to me, it was just the value was too good for me not to take Corey Seager in the seventh round. All right, yeah. I like it. I like the guy that people overlook because of the injury. Um, Scott, wh- give me a, one of your favorites. <sighs> Well, if we're focusing more on the middle rounds um, rather than the late rounds, I got a lot of late it round. It doesn't picks matter. For you. It doesn't matter. It can jump around. But okay. I, I suppose middle would be better. I've <laughs> changed my mind on what I just said. Sorry. Change your mind. Okay. Well, how, what about your Alex Reyes pick in round ten? Oh, thank you. I did like that I, pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like the kind of players being drafted in that same range. Like Kyle Freeland was the next pitcher taken. Obviously, had a very good year, but. Is anybody going to be excited to draft Kyle Freeland? No. Um, Dallas Keuchel was right before that. Fine pitcher. Is anybody going to be excited to take him? No. Alex Reyes, you know, he could be, he could be top 10. Now there's a lot of health risk, obviously. He came back from Tommy John surgery and what was it, Torres Lat right away? Yeah. Uh, I don't th- even think it's a hundred percent. He's going to have a rotation spot out of spring training, but. He, the, you look at what he did on that rehab assignment coming mm-hmm. back from Tommy John surgery after already previously being considered the best pitching prospect in baseball. And this guy looks like a, uh, like a prodigy, you know? And, um. 54% strikeout rate on that rehab assignment, by the way. It, yeah. And I think he allowed like one hit every start or something stupid. He, did, he didn't give up one run in the majors last year in four <laughs> Four innings, four innings, four innings. <laughs> but that's okay. No, no so anyway, one runs. I, 
it's just like if you're if you're aiming high with a middle round pick and you know i i don't it, it's i think we're at a point in round 10 where it's not going to really lose the draft for you if that lose the the league for you if that pick goes it's just a total bust mm-hmm. uh i like pursuing the upside there with race and to be honest with you uh, i'm going to what did chris say be self-congratulatory is that what you said yeah I'm going to do that, too, because my next pick was Andrew Heaney. And I just think Heaney kind of fell apart. I think the innings may have gotten to him at the end of last year, but I think he's really good. So uh, Reyes and Heaney back-to-back feel like one of those guys could really take off, uh, give me a must-start pitch. I agree, and I'm not down on Tyler Skaggs, either. He went in round 13. Yeah, it was another uh, For the same reason, he started having, uh, what was his issue? I can't remember anybody's actual injuries now, but it was like a triceps or something that he— Delayed going on the DL4 and then came back too soon from it, whatever. Just totally wrecked his ERA. But he was looking like yeah. a, uh, you know, top 20 type pitcher before that. Alright, give you another one of my favorites. Michael Conforto to Chris Towers in round 11. Way to go, oh, Chris thank Towers. You. Yes. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm sure you he were was, excited about that pick. He was awesome in the second half. He was the guy we hoped he would be. And, Given that he was coming back from a major shoulder injury and got off to a slow start, I think that helps explain his struggles. And so, you know, 895 OPS, 273 batting average, 17 homers in 68 games. I think this is a 35 to 40 homer guy if he's healthy. He's going to walk a decent amount. He won't strike out so much that he kills you. If I can get him, what was that, 13th round? 11th round. No, you're not that good. If I can get him... In that range in every draft, I'm going to be thrilled. Right. It's a 12-team league, so we're talking pick uh, like like around 130th, 125th overall. Uh, can, this is Michael Conforto we're talking about here to Chris Towers in the 11th round. 126. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Against lefties, he was better against lefties than righties. So that could be um, extremely significant uh, for Michael Conforto. And, uh, yeah, the the, the – Outfielders that went in the same range, Will Myers, David Peralta, Aaron Hicks. I think that's about right. You think so? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I have Conforto just outside of my top 30. I have Myers and Peralta just inside of my top 30. Uh, Hicks, Hicks I, Hicks I like a lot here too, uh, especially when you consider he, he may have he may have um he, he probably should have hit for a higher batting average than he did and yet his per game production was still for this format because the plate discipline so good was still pretty close to elite so i i think all of these outfield picks are good frankly Chris? i just i don't buy david peralta i know that the underlying numbers suggest that he was really that good you know, the hard hit percentage, the line yeah. drive percentage, but I just, anytime someone comes that much out of nowhere, like he was decent before this, but this was a level that we had never seen from him at a full, at a full season. I just, I have to be skeptical. So th- there's a pretty good chance I, w- I won't be drafting David Peralta next season. He right. did have, you know, a, a not near 900 OPS and 400 and 500 plate appearances, basically. So that was in 2015. So that that was actually a higher OPS than he had last year. But that was with a 370 BABIP and not near. Yeah, that was power. with a really high BABIP. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fair point. He hasn't quite shown that kind of home run potential before. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't know. I, I could understand taking Conforto over him, but I do think Peralta deserves to go ahead based on the season he just had. All right, Chris Towers, give me another like on Facebook. I want to confirm one thing. Ross Stripling is relief pitcher eligible next year, correct? Yes. He went in the 12th round to George Maselli, and I love that. Uh, the Spark... The Sparp crop looks a lot better for 2019 than it did coming into 2018. And, you know, it's not clear if he's going to have a rotation spot himself, but the gains that he made last season, 
I, I really think he can be very good. I, I know he, he fell apart in the second half of the season, but he looked awesome. The overall numbers are great. I don't think he's going to be the two ERA guy he was in the first half, but I think he can be a three to mid threes guy. And in yeah, this format, was, yeah, it's a good pick. He was phenomenal in the three true outcomes. I mean, he, um, you know, his, his FIP was low and yeah, I, I would be really excited about drafting him and I don't think it's a bad gamble here, but it, my guess is he probably won't have a rotation spot at the start of next year because they're going to have Kershaw back, Rich Hill, Bueller, Alex Wood, Kintamaeda, presumably will um, have a rotation spot till August again, hmm. uh, so they can keep taking advantage of that contract clause. Did you say Hyunjin Ryu? He's a free agent. Uh, he's oh, a he's a free, free agent. agent. Okay. They did make him a qualifying offer. Which surprised me. Uh, I know he had a good year, but you know he's been ravaged by injuries, and even this year he missed some time with injuries. So I'm not. I I don't think it's crazy to think he might take the qualifying offer. Um, you know it's we'll an see. absolute killer. What? Kentamaya finished one relief pitcher relief pitching appearance short of relief pitcher uh. eligibility next year. Uh, uh, let me just say, so so we're talking about Ross Stripling around 12 with RP eligibility. Oh, oh, and a Julio Rios is going to be around next year, too. Uh, that's right. Obviously. Carlos yeah. Martinez went around five, and he's RP eligible. And yep. I I took uh, Mike Clevenger one pick ahead of him, and I thought to myself, I'm taking Carlos Martinez with my next pick in round six. I did not even get to queue up Carlos Martinez because he was <laughs> gone so quickly after I took Clevenger. I probably should have taken Carlos Martinez there since he does have RP eligibility. I mean, that guy could be... Huge. Actually, yeah. Sorry, it's ten appearances for RP eligibility, right? Yeah, yeah, ten. Yeah. Okay, so my eight doesn't have liar. Such a liar. Oh. So right. sorry. Uh, so stripling, Scott. How about you? Another like? Another pick you like? Uh, well, sticking with the Sparp theme, I liked Chris's Tyler Glass now pick at round thirteen. Uh, kind of for similar reasons to me liking your Alex Reyes pick. I don't think the upside is quite as high. But he flashed some of it during his time with the Rays. I think for sure has a rotation spot. Um, and he's Sparp. He's Sparp eligible. So, you know, it could just, like, even if he wasn't relief pitcher eligible, I feel like that's a good spot to draft him just for the upside. The fact that you could slot him in one of those two spots. Assuming he's good. Obviously, if he isn't, you're going to be looking for a closer. But, uh, you know, that could happen to a late round closer too. So I think it's a good pick. Tyler Glass now. Uh, Chris, Scott White has said both whip it out and flashed today. <clears throat> Scott is a sick, he's a sick, sick man, it's Chris Towers. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Flashed. Uh, Let's move along. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, Adam. Alright, well how about this? And since this show, I don't want this show to take six hours, so why don't you, that was good pace on that last glass, now what? Why don't you guys just fire away at me, picks you like, uh, mid and late round picks. Scott, I'll let you go first. Oh, I want to look at round 18. Because there are four very interesting picks in round 18. I'm not sure I love all of them, but I love, at least love the idea of them. Uh, Peter Alonzo, who yes. we recently heard is at least going to be competing for the Mets first base job this spring. I suspect he won't be up until mid-April at the earliest, but it could be that early. A uh, huge power prospect. Francisco Mejia, Chris's pick, uh, my top catcher prospect going into this next season. I think it'll probably be a timeshare with Hedges, Austin Hedges. I think it'll be about a 50-50 timeshare, which isn't great. But if either of them is going to emerge as, and have more of the bats, it, it's likely to be Mejia, who's, uh, you know, a really good hitter, a really good hitter. I think top five potential if he gets the bats at a position like catcher. Shohei Otani, Adam, your pick. Uh-huh. In round 18, obviously just as a DH. Yeah. And it's going to be a question of how much the Dodgers have to take him out of the lineup just to let him rehab. First Angel, of all, is Angels. he going to be ready for the start of the season? I think that's, you know, that's a reasonable question, but I think there's a good chance since he doesn't have to throw at all as a DH. Um, but, you know, are they going to have to rest him just to let him rehab as a pitcher? Or is he going to be able to play literally every day? like he did down the stretch last season once it was clear he was going to have Tommy John surgery 
And if if he's playing every day, I mean, you're talking potentially a 40 homer guy. Did he play against lefties 18. down the stretch? Yeah, yeah, he was playing against everybody. Yeah, I, I put this round 18. I couldn't believe he was still there. I mean, I, I plan on, we're not playing this out, but I make this pick, planning on putting him on my DL and just picking somebody up. But Otani, if he starts the year on the DL, he's probably the one of the top DL stashes right off he, the bat. He started every game in September except for the first three, uh, except for two of the first three. So yeah, he started like. I don't know, 25 straight games to end the season. And he steals, like he runs too. That he doesn't have. That's true. He had what? That's uh, true. How many steals did he end up with? Not that Six many, but but when he was pitching, he didn't run at all. Yeah. When he was just yeah. a hitter, he did. He's he's an amazing talent. In, in retrospect, I wish I had taken him. I think this format is tricky because the l- rosters are so small and lineups are so small. He's DH only, and so you know if you if you drafted good second first baseman or a good second third baseman, like anyone else who blocks that spot, you want to have a DH only guy on your bench, you'd probably rather have a starting pitcher on your bench. Uh, so I could understand how he got passed over because of that. And it's also, you know, if he's not playing every day, if he's playing two out of every three days, yeah. then he's probably not worth starting at all. And it, you know, it's, it's obviously a risk reward thing, but I think the reward in round 18 is certainly worth it. Okay. What was the last one? So you said, uh, you said Peter Alonso for the Mets, Francisco Mejia for the Padres, Shohei Otani, and oh, I know where you're Alex, going with this. Yeah. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Not because I think there's like a huge ceiling like with those first three, uh, but because I, I was just intrigued to see how much he was going to be valued in this format. Because we tend to think of the base stealers as more roto players, and he was a great, great base stealer in the second half, but. He was also a good plate discipline guy. Like there wasn't much power, but he ran a lot and he got on base. This isn't Billy Hamilton. This is more valuable than that potentially. Um, I I could see him being a must start player even in this format next year because oh, stolen yeah. bases are worth two points apiece. I mean it adds up. Yep. Well, Malik Smith certainly was a must start player. All right, Chris, fire away. Uh, some play, some picks you really liked. Round 15, Jimmy Nelson, seventh overall. I think people have forgotten how good he was in 2017. Yes, he's coming back from a shoulder injury. Yes, he was not able to pitch. No, he was not able to pitch in 2018. But the upside there is really high, as he showed in 2017. And I guess part of a reason for optimism would be that he didn't injure himself pitching. So it's not like there's some reason to believe that he can't hold up. Let's just hope he you know, doesn't hurt himself running the bases anymore. And then the following round, round 16, I'll go with a trio of post-type sleepers back-to-back, Kyle Tucker, Raphael Devers, and Matt Olson. I think it's fair to say all three of them disappointed in 2018, and I love drafting guys with that kind of pedigree coming off disappointing seasons because we tend to forget about the the guys who struggle. We tend to undervalue them. All three of those guys have huge fantasy upside. It's not clear if Kyle Tucker's going to have an everyday job, but the other two guys will play every day. Well, who are the other two guys? And repeat those, please. Rafael Devers yeah. and Matt Olson. Oh, sounds like you guys liked a lot of my picks. Uh, Rafael Devers, right? Didn't I draft him? Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, I kind of crushed it. Kind of crushed it. Uh, at least for the hitters, not so much the pitchers. So, yeah, I, I circled three guys in round 16 and 17, all Astros. Kyle Tucker, you mentioned, Josh James. Yep, and that was another one. Tyler White. Uh, White? Okay, so I knew White had a good finish. I didn't realize he had an unbelievable August and a dreadful September. Tyler White had a 667 OPS in September. He batted 226. I think he hit one home run. Yeah. So I don't know. It may have been just a hot month for him. Maybe. I mean, he's always been a great hitter in the minors. I think the most discouraging thing about White, um, the reason I kind of I had to tweak my first base rankings, which I originally released in mid September, but I ended up having to tweak them after the season, is because the Astros hardly played him in the playoffs. It was it was all Yuli Gurriel at first base. It was usually Evan Gaddis at DH. Now Gaddis is leaving, 
So there's still opportunity there. I'm just not confident they want White to fill that opportunity. They still have Matt, uh, Tony Kemp there, who they like a lot. Uh, obviously Kyle Tucker, they're going to want to find playing time for him. So I, I think if we're going with surprising late season, late, su- late season surprises at first base, who to target for next year? I actually like Luke Voigt, who wins three rounds later, end of round 19. I actually like him more. Obviously it changes if the Yankees bring in a high profile first baseman, but he was, so good right until the bitter end, right into the playoffs, that I'm just not sure they're going to want to devote their resources to that, especially knowing they still have Greg Bird that they can maybe get something out of. Uh, yeah. Maybe they'll move Miguel Andahar to first base. Who knows? Greg Bird? I think Greg Bird has a better chance of being good than uh Luke Voigt. <laughs> I, Luke Voigt feels like... like. So you're really low on Luke Voigt. Yeah, I, he well, feels like the ultimate flash of the pan to me. See, he seems perfectly... When you look at his... So his batted ball profile, and, and I mean, you look at his, you look at his biceps. The guy's super strong. Oh, he's he's a power hitter. There's no yeah. question. Uh, but how many of his home runs were to right field at Yankee Stadium? Like the, he's a guy who elevates the ball the other way, and it's just like the perfect stadium for him to take to to wind up at. Yeah, no, it's uh, true. I I think he'll get I think he'll get a chance. If he doesn't, we'll know well ahead of draft day and whatever. You don't draft him, but. If he does get a chance, I think he's a definite sleeper. Well, I'll tell you what. I personally, if I'm going to go to a Yankees game, I'd rather see Greg Bird than Luke Voigt. Maybe the fans would rather boo Greg Bird than cheer Luke Voigt. I don't know, but we'll let them decide. The bottom line is, if you want to go to a game, you got to use SeatGeek. That was my very long-winded way of telling you about the SeatGeek app which is a longtime sponsor of our show. We thank them very much for their support. And if you want 20 bucks off your first purchase to go boo Greg Bird, you download the SeatGeek app and you use the promo code FANTASY. Promo code is FANTASY. Just search for your tickets. And if you have no idea what you want to do, what events you want to go to, SeatGeek will suggest some events in your area, which is nice. Um, and you you search for the event. SeatGeek pulls in multiple sites, uh, results from multiple sites, gives you a grade of every ticket based on value, and you can immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. I use SeatGeek every time I need tickets. It's sports, it's concerts, it's comedy, it's theater. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. This is an amazing app uh, that makes seat ticket buying very, very efficient and very inexpensive. If you want to save 20 bucks, use the promo code FANTASY. On your first SeatGeek purchase, SeatGeek, life's an event, and we have the tickets. All right, let's go. Let's be negative Nancys now. We were positive Polly's for a while. Now we're going to talk about late and mid-round picks that we don't like. I'm just going to get all three of mine out of the way since I kind of cheated and didn't use any actual mid-round or late-round picks. Uh, within about 15 picks of each other, Starling Marte, Eloy Jimenez, and Robbie Ray. 58th overall to about 70th overall, something like that. Uh, Marte, just this is too early for him in a points league, in my opinion. He actually was the number 17 outfielder in this format. If he had played 155 games, he would have been the number 13 outfielder in this format. And just based on that alone, that would be fine at 60 at 58th overall. But he was right around Mick Markakis, Michael Brantley. Nick Castellanos, it just there in terms of finish, yeah. If he had played 155 games, which he's okay. no lock per, to do. So per game, uh, per game, yeah, yeah. Game. Well, except I don't know how many games did Brantley play. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you, I have the per game numbers right here. Yeah, it just the outfielders aren't that good at that point. I know that they are top 15, but they don't feel like what we expect from a top 15 outfielder. Nick Markakis went around 15. Michael Brantley ran around seven. Nick Castellanos actually really like his value around ten. It's too early for Marte, in my opinion, in this format. Uh, I think Eloy Jimenez, no major league at bats. I don't want to take him in round six. And Robbie Ray, come on, really? What is this last year? No, not in round six. And I'm done. Yeah, I, I agree on Eloy. Uh, he's someone that I'm more likely to draft, I think, this year than I am, um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero. To, to name one other guy who hasn't played in the majors yet, but that's assuming the Vladimir Guerrero is going to go a lot higher than him. And, you know, there have been some off-season mock drafts that I've seen where 
Vladito has gone like third round. Um, and Eloy Jimenez has gone like outside of the top 100. If he falls outside of the top 100, I love the value. Sure. Um, but yeah, I agree in the sixth round. Um, you know, Lorenzo Kane goes a few picks behind him. I'd rather have Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, I, it's amazing. I, I just, I can't remember feeling this crappy about the round. I, I'd rather have Tommy Pham in round seven. Uh, 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 these outfielders going in this range, I've just, yeah. I can't remember feeling this bad about them. And obviously the first baseman, first baseman suck this year. Oh, especially if you eliminate yeah. Whit Merrifield. I don't know that outfield is where I'd be looking at round six, and exactly. maybe that's kind of the point you're making, Adam. That is Adam. exactly the point I'm making. Because uh, I I do have Aloy Jimenez ahead of Kane and and um, and Fam if we're talking specific examples, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, Chris Archer went right before. I'd rather have Archer. Jen, Scooter Jeanette went right behind. I'd rather have Jeanette as weak as second base is. You got Edwin Diaz, the first closer off the board in that same range. Archer to um, Chris and Jeanette to me, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. when, are, when are we going to realize that Chris Archer is not very good? Well, one more year of being bad, three he, in a row. In this format, he was always good before last year. You know, the ERA was always on the high side, but he pitched a ton of innings. No, it wasn't always. It used to be in the three thirties. Okay, there was that one year where it was in the three. I don't think it was just one year, was it? I thought it was. It was three years in a row. Uh, it was three years in a row. Three twenty-two, really? three thirty-three, well, three twenty-three. Well, what are you so upset about then? Because now it's three <laughs> years in a row of a, of a bad ERA. Oh, it's two years in a row of a bad ERA. Yeah, well, he's not that good. Especially in 2017. No, it's three years in a row. Degree. Sorry, it's three years okay. in a row of a bad ERA. My bad. Please the, the FIP was always much lower, A-6. and now he's in a much more favorable league and division to pitch in. And he had a really strong finish. And the stuff and the swing strike rate were both the same as always last year. I think his struggles were super fluky. Three years um, in a row? I mean, like I was saying, last year was the only year where it really he really didn't perform up to expectations in points leagues. And I a lot guess. of it had to do with, uh, you know, missing time with injury, early, getting pulled earlier in games than we were used to seeing him pulled. The strikeout total was down, like the strikeout rate was down, uh, inexplicably. I, I, I don't, I don't think he was really any worse last year than, I mean, the results were obviously worse, but I don't see much evidence that he was a worse pitcher. No, he wasn't a worse pitcher because he hasn't been that good of a pitcher. The only thing he does I mean, he is was, give you innings. He was 17th in points in 2017. Exactly. Uh, I reject that he had a strong finish. It was five starts. I wish it had been a little bit more. His last five starts were terrific. 270 ERA. This is Chris Archer, by the way. 270 ERA, 36 strikeouts in 30 innings. Uh, four home runs allowed. I wish it had I been mean, a little bit more, but fine. This, I guess I won't completely reject it. This is what we it. do. You know, we, we, we slice up these small samples to, to justify what we want them to say. And, and look, I, I think the point is Chris Archer does have a lot of upside. He's a proven 200 inning guy. We've talked about how rare that is. He didn't get there last year. Fine. But for the most part, he's been able to in his career. And if things go right and he gets that ERA into even the 370 range on a team that we expect to be competitive again next year, you know, there, there's top 15-ish upside. I don't think there's ace upside, but there in the is. seventh That's round, true. it seems fine. That's or eighth true. round? Uh, sixth. No, sixth round. Sorry, Chris. That was your pick. And you keep trying to make your picks better than they actually were, but I'm here to fact-check you, Chris Towers. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, two Pinocchios for Chris. Uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, Archer. Oh, the best case to be made for Archer is the one that we made at the trade deadline when he got moved, that he had been really bad for like three years in a row against the American League East. That is the one thing that will maybe pull me back into Chris Archer. It's a good point. It's a good point. I hope he can take advantage of that. All right, uh, so I went. Chris, give me some of your least favorite mid- and late-round picks. Oh, God, I got distracted. I had some, and then I got distracted. Okay, (laughs) Josh Donaldson went in the fifth round. Uh, if we're counting that as a mid-round pick, I just don't like the value there. Only um, I can use the fifth round as a mid-round pick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
that's just, it's too early. You know, he doesn't seem to like, you could make a case for it coming off of the season he had the year before when he was disappointing overall, but was so good in the second half last year. He didn't really show much of anything. Um, so you've got a guy whose skill set seems to be declining. He's older. He hasn't been able to stay healthy two years in a row. And you're investing that much in him. You know, Joey Votto went around later. And I, I get that Joey Votto was disappointing in his own right this year. But the skill set seems to be much more intact for Votto. Mm-hmm. Scott, you got one? Yeah. Miguel Andujar in round nine. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep picking on Miguel Andujar, right? That's only... <laughs> A round after Justin Turner, Justin Turner averaged 3.28 points per game this year. Uh, Andujar averaged 3.09. That's a bigger difference than it sounds like. And that was with what seemed like a best-case scenario for Miguel Andujar. Uh, Nelson Cruz went three spots after him. Edwin Encarnacion, one spot after that. These are mainstays, particularly Encarnacion in this format, where you don't have to worry so much about the low batting average. Um, yeah, I agree. Even, you're, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like a lot of the pitchers going in this range more, too. I, I think especially in this format, they're going to be more impactful. Guys like Jay Happ and um, Cole Hamels, who's back with the Cubs. Then you get into that Dallas Keuchel, Alex Reyes range we were talking about earlier. It just seems about four rounds too early. Miguel Andujar in round nine. I, you know, it'd be better in like a, a roto league where you you didn't that horrid plate discipline wasn't going to bring down his numbers. But right, that's not what this is. All right, how about another one, Scott? And then we'll go to Chris. Another one. Well, how about Victor Robles in round eleven? <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I liked Victor Robles in round 11. I was going to mention that as one of the ones I like. Okay. Another kind of post-hypey guy. He hasn't really gotten a chance in the majors, but huge prospect pedigree. Not This isn't his best format. I'll grant that. It just seems like, obviously, there's a uh, there's the potential for it to work out very well. If he comes up and he's everything everybody dreamed he would be, then it's a great pick in round 11. But I think the more likely scenario is he's going to, uh, first of all, win a job. He has to win a job, and then he's going to have to find his footing. And then it's going to be mostly steals in the early stages of his career. Maybe he adds power later on. And, you know, this is the same round, round where, like, David Peralta, 30-homer guy with a high batting average a year ago, Michael Conforto, who were just raving a rap bout. You know, they both went after Victor Robles. I think Robles is probably more like around 40th for me in the outfield rankings, and he's going here around 30th. So a few rounds too early. Per 150 games in the minors, he's averaged 14 homers, 50 steals with a 300 average. This was the number six overall prospect coming into last season. Um, besides getting hurt, didn't really do anything to hurt his, uh, his prospect pedigree in the minors. He didn't hit for power, but other than that, uh, and given that he was coming back from an elbow injury, I don't think that's necessarily something I would hold against him. I think there's Trey Turner potential here. I'm not disagreeing. I just think it's too early. I think the quality of players you're passing up here is too high for yeah. a very questionable pick. And it'd be one, it'd be another thing if it was Roto. You know, like you could make the same argument for Alex Reyes, who went around earlier, but I think Alex Reyes is. <laughs> I mean, Alex uh, Reyes is less proven in the majors, isn't he? Well, he's got four scoreless no, innings. Proven at all? He never has not he given is. up a run in the majors. Like, what do you? What does Alex Reyes need to do? And I pitched forty six <laughs> innings in twenty sixteen. He's really good. I could see, like, I could see making the opposite case in a roto league where you have more outfield spots to fill, fewer pitcher spots to fill, and I the base see, dealer is more impactful than. Yeah, the, I could see taking Robles pitcher. in like the seventh round in a roto league. Actually, yeah. That's, I mean, it's a little early for me. I'd still rather have like Aloy Jimenez, but 
but yeah, I think I think it's easier to justify him in this range in that format where outfielders and stolen bases are at more of a premium. All right, Chris, fire away with some picks you hate. Um, we'll get the Alberto Mondesi one out of the way because I'm that's going to be the pick in every single draft for me. Uh, and then I'll go with I can't quite explain why. But I don't think Mitch Haneker's that good. I agree. And he went in the seventh round. To Scott. No offense, Scott. I just, I don't know. I think <laughs> that was like the absolute best case scenario for him. And I think it's just okay, you know? Especially they're going to tear that team down. He's going to be, you know, the, it sounds like, according to reporting today, they're going to tear the team down. And build around him. Anytime you can build around a 28-year-old with one good season under his belt, you got to do it. Um, that team could be really bad around him. So that's going to depress his counting stats. And I just think, like, is he that much better than Nick Castellanos? Uh, Castellanos is, so. is one of my favorite picks. Very end of round 10. I think that's 120th overall. Which is where he was going. Remember, this is exactly where Castellanos was going last year, and there was a lot of debate whether or not he deserved to be there. Um, he, he really trailed off late in the year, and I don't know why. But I, I think Castellanos showed for a while that he was really breaking out. And he's just a solid player. Um, so I like that pick a lot, Castellanos. That was yeah. 120th overall. Scott, yeah, so I just look at it, and I, I just think like they're probably the same guy. I think there's reason to believe Castellanos might be a little better uh, because the bad ball data is better. Well, caveats about Comerica Park sure. insert here. But, yeah, I just – Mitch Hanniger just – he feels a little jaggy. Scott, to me. You've, you made the picks. They're in the seventh round on Hanniger. End of seventh I, round. I think all of the outfielders in this range are a little jaggy because um, the next outfielders to go off the board – Eddie Rosario, AJ Pollock, uh, who's not much of a base dealer anymore. It's worth pointing out. Uh, you got Justin Upton a little after that. Max Muncie. I well, agree. Max Muncy, no, I Max agree. Muncy's not an outfielder. Oh, he's first base and, only. Yeah. And obviously, outfield, if, if Max Muncy's an everyday player, he's a stud, but we don't know if he is. Yeah, I think the outfield crop in that, in this range is pretty mediocre. I put, yeah. I picked AJ Pollock. I'm not thrilled with it. Um, and so uh, it part, just, part, and part of my thinking too was okay, Hanniger, high on base guy, batting second in a good lineup. If it's not a good lineup anymore, then he probably isn't better than Castellanos. But I, my, I don't think there's anything that he did this past year in, in among the things he could actually control. Not so much RBI and run scored. Nothing, nothing he did this year seems fluky. If, I think like my biggest takeaway from this draft is that it it might not make sense to, to use a mid round pick on an outfielder. Like it, get an yeah. elite one and wait. That that could be a strategy. I'm not saying all of these yeah. outfielders will be bad by any means, but um, doesn't make sense to reach for them. It's it's a lot of the same thing for right. maybe a good six round, seven round stretch. That's I mean that that. That's probably a fair takeaway. And, the player and that's, pulls the and that's position. Oh, God. And that's in a three outfielder league. Yeah. Uh, if it's five outfielders, it, it, put, it, it puts more of a strain yeah. on it, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. And there's more way for guys to contribute, especially outfield. You yeah, know, that, yeah. That's where guys who can steal bases or guys who are kind of empty power threats can start to make up a little ground. But, yeah, I think in, in a points league, it's a little like wide receiver at outfield where there are a handful of standouts, but between like 20 and 60, it's kind of, it's kind of all the same, which is wild. How about we recap our teams and then we'll read uh, emails and finish the show. Scott White, recap your team, big man. <laughs> okay. So I started out going, uh, my first few picks here were I was at the I had the 12th pick so I was picking back to back Bryce Harper Chris Sale um, 
and then Juan Soto, Patrick Corbin. We talked about those first four picks last week. I mentioned it was not such a great thing that I didn't get a single infielder in my first four picks. Uh, the infield spots, with the exception of second base, well, you know what? I take that back. The only deep infield spots are third base and shortstop. So half of the infield is not so deep anymore. And, um, and outfields, you know, the fact I took Mitch Hanniger in round seven and filled out the rest of the outfield, probably not the most efficient way to draft for this format. I will agree with that. I think for making the investment I made in pitching, uh, my pitching staff doesn't look as good as I would hope it would. Um, well, it's just to, Chris, I'm logging I got in it. I got it. I got logged out. Chris somehow. Sale, Patrick Corbin, mm-hmm. Herman Marquez, Kyle Gibson, Joe Musgrove. Chris Sale, Corbin, Marquez, Gibson, and Musgrove with Dylan Bundy and Brad Keller on your bench. Your closers are Brad Hand and Blake Trinan. Yeah, I mean, with, with Sale, Corbin, and Marquez, you feel like you've got aces there and then Musgrove, Gibson. Yeah, no, that's good. Your hitters are Molina, who's ageless and really good in this format. <laughs> yeah, and I got him for nothing. Like, you can get him for every year, it seems like. Edwin Encarnacion, Brian Dozier, Eugenio Suarez, Jerickson Profar at short, mm-hmm. Harper See, Soto Hanniger. Like, it's not that good. I don't, I don't hate any of them individually, but who's the most trustworthy of all of them? Edwin Encarnacion, no, who's Suarez. in his late 30s. Suarez is the most trustworthy, isn't oh, he? Uh, well, it depends, how you, it depends how you define trustworthy because he just became, uh, you know, a must start player in this format this year. So yeah, he was the highest drafted of all of them, but is he trustworthy? I don't know that I'd describe him that way. Uh, Scott's DH is Jesse Winker. He has Luke Voigt, Jeff McNeil, and Brandon Nimmo on the bench. A very it, New Yorker bench there. Voigt, McNeil, and Nimmo. I like that. All right. Yeah. It feels like, feels like a pretty vanilla pitching staff and a pretty vanilla offense. All right. I'm, not Scott's favorite team then. It's not my favorite team. I would do things. I'm not exactly sure yet how I'd do them differently, but, um, I'm going to rethink some of the approaches I made because I don't love I don't love the final product. Yet. I think I might love my team. I think I might be hopelessly in love with my team. I'm going to say mine before Chris's because I'm here more often. Uh, Wellington Castillo <clears throat> is my catcher, and it does not matter to me. You can insert catcher here, um, whatever. So Castillo, super late. Infield is quite good. Paul Goldschmidt, Scooter Jeanette, Jose Ramirez, and then I like my Elvis Andrews pick in round 17. But Jose Ramirez and Paul Goldsmith were my first two picks. Scooter Jeanette is my second baseman. Elvis Andrews is my shortstop. My outfielders, I already said on yesterday's, uh, last week's show, I really like George Springer in points. Uh, I got him in the fourth round. I think he bounces back. Bat lead off for a great lineup. Get on base, plate appearance, all that stuff. Score a lot of runs. George Springer, Max Muncy, and David Dahl. So crossing my fingers a little bit there that they play a lot. And I have Rafael Devers at utility. So I have Muncie, Dahl, and Devers to go with Springer uh, in that infield. I have Eric Thames on the bench. And my pitching staff is definitely not as good as Scott's, uh, but I do have Kenley Jansen. Closer's really interesting because Jansen's coming off a bad year. Kimbrell's a free agent. Chapman's gotten hurt two years in a row. Um, Edwin Diaz burned us in 2017, was amazing in 2018. But I have mm-hmm. Jansen for what it's worth, and I have Brandon Morrow. Uh, my pitching staff is Garrett Cole, Mike Clevenger, Andrew Heaney, oh, Zach Wheeler, Andrew Heaney, and Alex Reyes. It actually kind of sucks, but <laughs> it's Cole, Clevenger, Heaney, Wheeler, and Reyes. But I think with, I don't, with, yeah. I don't think it sucks. Alright, good. With Heaney, Wheeler, and Reyes, and then Giolito is my, like, one of my last picks. Rich Hill and Marcus Stroman. Stroman is, I think, a great points league sleeper. Um, I think he's going to be really good in this format, and I think he was just injured last year. I think Rich Hill, yeah. I, I, it's okay. It's fine. This team's good. I think I'm going to win this league, considering we're never playing it out. <laughs> uh, I I um, I um like your balance more. Your pitching staff isn't as good as mine, but I think it's good, and I don't think you sacrificed as much on the hitting end as I did. Maybe just the fact that I went two pitchers with my first three picks 
or maybe even two in the first four is just overdoing it a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'll look into it more. Obviously, we have a long way to go. Christopher Towers. Hey. Hey, buddy. What's up? I, I really liked your team. So, I think it's yeah, really good. It is quite uh, good. I, I think the outfield stinks, but the infield is magical. Francisco <laughs> Mejia, catcher, tons of upside there. Anthony Rizzo, Robinson Cano, and, you know, Cano fell. Uh, I'm going to look where he, he went 14th round. Yeah, he's That's not so wild. good. He's not so good. He was, he was, he was himself last year, and he was not someone we were taking in the 14th round last year. Uh, like yeah, when because he was I on think... the, when he was on the field, when he was not suspended, he was himself. Is he a star? No. Is he better than a 14th round pick? Absolutely. Well, in points, Among leagues, he certainly is. Players who will be second base eligible next year. So that's leaving out Mondesi, it's leaving out Matt Carpenter, it's leaving out Jose Ramirez. Cano was fourth in head-to-head points per game. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, alright, Chris. He has I mean, shown, he's, he's, he's old shown, and it may just end for him. But, but he's shown no signs of decline yet, and, I mean, let's be honest, he took some PEDs last year. He's probably gonna decline a little slower than he should've. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Something that we've seen, look at Nelson Cruz, look at Starling Marte, look at D. Gordon. Most of those guys have been just as good. Before and after their suspensions. Now, D. Gordon, yeah, he okay, said, fell D. apart Gordon, last year. Yeah, pretty but bad. Two years ago, he was a huge value because people were afraid of him coming off the PE. That's fine. All right, all right. You win. You win. Pound the desk. All right, Mejia, Rizzo, Cano, Go- Nolan your, Arenado. The third baseman sucks. Arenado, Xander Bogarts, Zing. I yeah. don't love my outfield. It's Michael Conforto, AJ Pollock, Justin Upton. I that's three Jags. It's but fine. Whatever. It's fine. it's fine. But they're not like. They won't kill me. Yeah, it's not like, oh, I need to, this is a problem I need to fix. That's, yeah. That out feels perfectly serviceable. And then Corey Seager's my DH. Uh, uh, that's interesting because you said you really liked your Corey Seager pick with like 78th overall or something. Yeah. And I agree, but you already had Bogarts. That's fine. It's, he's good. Like the, the, at, at that point, when a value is staring you in the face that much, someone who probably should have gone two rounds ahead, why are you, why are you getting so close to <laughs> the camera? I'm staring at you in the face. You said a value is staring at you in the face, so I just. Yeah, yeah, he was staring me in the face, yeah, and, right. you know, this was a player who was considered potentially the number one shortstop. Alright. Uh, who are your pitchers? It's a surprisingly strong Chris, yeah, this Chris is a Towers pitching. Quality Chris Ju- team here. Justin Verlander, Chris Archer. Dallas Keuchel, Noah Syndergaard, John Gray. Why would you read Syndergaard after Archer and Keuchel? I forgot. I just forgot. <laughs> so Justin Verlander, Noah Syndergaard, Chris Archer, Dallas Keuchel, John Gray. Upside and safety. Tyler Glass now is a spark. AJ Minter as a reliever. Uh, and then I went for upside on the bench. Obviously, this was before we knew Lance McCullers might be out for the season. But Lance McCullers, Luke Weaver, Luis Gahara. I think Gohara might be on a different team next year, but that's fine because he might not have a rotation spot in Atlanta. I really like this team. I think it's really Chris, good. Chris's good. pitching is better than mine, it, and his hitting's better than mine. He wins this round. <laughs> uh, talk about your strategy of drafting three bench pitchers all with a first name that begin with L. That can't be a coincidence. Uh, my team's going to be very good at handing out L's. <laughs> With Louise Gohara, Lance McCullers, and Luke Weaver. Emails. Alright, we're going overtime today. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. This is from Hugh in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm thinking about my keepers for 2019. We're a head-to-head points league. We can keep five players for three years maximum. Need to keep one pitcher, one position player, and the other three can be whatever. So five keepers for three years maximum. I have Scherzer, Kershaw, Bauer, Snell, Carrasco at pitcher. So Scherzer's going to be his keeper, right? Or Snell? It's got to be Scherzer. Unless, is it for more than one year? Yeah, it's three years max. I still think it's Scherzer. Scott? Well, he can keep more than one. He just he, he has to keep at least one. The, um, I think, yeah, I... I think Scherzer, like you may not get, yeah, I, 
that third year may be wasted, but it may not. I, I think you got to go Scherzer. He's and it, it, too reliably number. Okay, well, let's, the best let's now. without debating it, let's we're going to keep Scherzer and some other pitchers. The hitters, he has to keep one of these three: Altuve, Chris Davis, and Soto. Who do you keep? It? I Altuve. would keep Altuve. Yep. Now we need three more out of these names: Kershaw, Bauer, Snell, Carrasco, Chris Davis, and Soto. Huh. I think I might go Snell and Soto there, so you still get the one more. You still get the youth. Oh, I think I go uh, Snell, Bauer. Soto, Bauer. Yep. yep, that's exactly what I was gonna do. All right, cool. So Scherzer, Snell, Bauer, Soto, Altuve. Dear, this is from Joel in Pittsburgh. Dear Bebop and Rocksteady. Those are. The punks who are mutated into a rhino (laughs) and a warthog in the Ninja Turtles cartoon. Did you know that, Chris? No. It felt like one that I should know. Yeah, it was. And that's why I didn't say anything. (laughs) I was afraid to say anything because I thought it was too obvious. But I'm drafting with a millennial over here. Yeah, (laughs) towers. During the season... (laughs) We, we did not perform well enough and were forced to trade Alex Bregman. Uh, it's a 14-team dynasty league where you can keep seven guys for five years each. We dealt Bregman for Corey Seager, Walker Bueller, Kyle Tucker, and Picks. Did we get enough value? By the way, it just says Seager. I don't know which Seager. But we dealt Bregman for Seager, Bueller, Kyle Tucker, and Picks. Did we get enough value? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know that you did and only seven players being kept. If it was like ten players being kept, I think it would tip the scales more in your favor. Um, but seven keeper spots still seems like they're, um, scarce enough that the real primo players should Get an even bigger hole. But you, but you I, keep I don't them think for it's bad. Five years. You know, it's a dynasty that you keep them for five years. Yeah. yeah well, Bregman, Bregman, Bregman is old. No, I, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, you can keep Bregman. Bueller. You wouldn't keep Bueller necessarily. Well, you would him. But, um, as a top seven pick, because you're keeping seven guys. But it is a 14 team league. And Bueller has a chance in the next five years, certainly a chance to be better than Bregman. Uh, there's a chance, yeah. I mean, Bregman's already MVP caliber, and I don't see him getting worse. But sure, Bueller looked awesome. Maybe I should. I think he did. Fine. Like, did you get enough? It's a fine return. Would I have taken that for Bregman personally? Probably not. It's basically how many top 100 players did you get? Because well, it's seven teams, seven keepers at 14 teams. So you're keeping top one. If you were drafting for the next five years. Walker Bueller is absolutely a top 100 pick. Corey Seager is absolutely a top 100 pick. Yeah. Kyle Tucker is where it gets tricky. All right, let's move, you on. Might let's have, move on. You might have gotten nothing there. Cheese from Queens. Categories League, quality starts, and OPS are added. Choose four keepers. Adalberto Mondesi, six bucks. Acuna at ten bucks. Hoskins at ten bucks. Chris Bryant, 22. JD Martinez, 32. Jose Ramirez, 45. Choose four of them. The four cheapest, I think. How about you drop these in my Gmail, Adam, so I can look at them? I sent the notes, didn't I? Yeah, I think it's Hoskins. No, you didn't. It's oh, Hoskins. <laughs> it's Hoskins, <laughs> Mejia, <laughs> and uh, and Acuna for twenty six dollars total, and then it's JD Martinez for twenty two. Or no, Chris Bryant for twenty two. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's easily those four. You're not keeping Jose Ramirez at $45? I'm hoping to get Jose Ramirez back for $50 in the draft. Fine. This is from GMS. Head-to-head points, no strikeout penalty, four keepers. I'm keeping Trout, Arenado, and probably Kluber. Who gets my final keeper spot? Anthony Rizzo, Ronald Acuna. Remember, no strikeout penalty, points league. Reese Hoskins or Noah Syndergaard? I think it's Acuna. Over Rizzo? I think so. I think if there's no strikeout penalty, uh, I'd also want to know if it's two points per stolen base, like the standard CBS format, because if it's not, that would swing it more to Rizzo. But um, just based on the information I have, 
Acuna. And finally, an email from Scott. 12-team, 6 by 6 Roto League. Everybody keeps 12 players, no restrictions. I'm trying to get younger with my pitching staff. I have Kershaw, Verlander, and Carrasco. I want Bueller. Is Kershaw for Bueller a fair offer? Should I offer more? Should I ask for more? What's the time frame we're looking at? Uh, we have about 30 <laughs> seconds to answer the question. It's a bad trade if it, if you're looking at 2019. Yes. If you're looking for the next five years, it's I think it's a good trade. Yeah. What if you're looking for the next two years? That was probably a bad trade. I'd lean against it, yeah. Okay. Three years, maybe. You could talk me into Bueller. Also, Scott, if you wanted to ask a question, you could just text us. Yeah. You have to email. Scott. Yeah, or just tweet. Let everybody weigh in. Um, yeah. Well, no. fun show. Thank you guys on this Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to go stand in the rain and get my vote on. Later, everybody. Woo. Yeah. USA. We'll talk to you uh, next week sometime. Enjoy your time without us. <laughs> Enjoy your week. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.